Our readings for this 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time present us with some powerful images to reflect upon. The first is that of good and bad shepherds and the warning against those who, as shepherds, misuse and abuse their flocks, particularly causing them confusion and scattering them. The second is what does Jesus do with his disciples after they return from their first missionary expedition, proclaiming the kingdom of God and acting in the power of Christ for the first time. Turning first to this particular pericope from the prophet Jeremiah, we see God particularly condemning those shepherds who mislead, who have not cared for, and who have scattered the flock. Who then are these shepherds he's condemning? Well, it is the priest of Israel he is condemning those who are charged with the spiritual good and well-being of Israel. Unfortunately, this same condemnation can be applied to priests and bishops even today. Those who are not living out the fullness of their calling, those who have turned back on the reality upon which they were ordained to the most holy priesthood of Jesus Christ. And this particularly is a passage that I have always used throughout my time in seminary to gauge where I am at in my call, in my vocation, and how I am living out that vocation. In fact, they always would put this before us in the seminary saying, look, we don't need any more bad priests. What the church needs right now is good holy priests who will minister and build up the people of God. And they would always throw that in front of us. One of the things that I would do when I was at the seminary is I would read the writings of a saint from the late 1700s by the name of St. Alphonsus Liguori, and particularly his work, The Duties and Dignities of the Priest. And in this work, he spends entire chapters going over the ways that a priest can be one of these bad shepherds and that they condemn themselves to the fires of hell by not living out the fullness of their priesthood. And If you ever really wanted a gut check in seminary, you just go read him for about 30 minutes and feel like you're the worst person on the face of the planet and this is not what you're called for and that you should flee from this particular vocation. But it it, it put it in reality of what I was ordained to do. And that is the salvation of souls. And a bad shepherd focuses on himself and not the salvation of souls. He focuses more on his well-being than that of the well-being of his flock. To quote again Alphonsus Liguori, after all, God has placed priests in the world that they may be a model to others, as our Savior himself was sent by his Father to be an example to the world. What then are the great sins a priest can do that puts him in the same boat as those shepherds condemned in our first reading? The first one is that of the sin of heresy, by which he misleads and poisons the flock with false teaching. And the second and most serious is that of the sin of scandal. St. Alphonsus Liguori defines this sin as thus, the sin of scandal consists not only in directly advising others to do evil, but also inducing them indirectly by acts to the commission of sin. Scandal is thus defined by St. Thomas and other theologians. Every word or action, more or less inordinate, that constitutes for the neighbor an occasion of falling into sin. To understand the grievousness of of the sin of scandal, 
It is enough to know that according to St. Paul, he who offends against a brother by leading him into sin offends Jesus Christ. When you sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. And St. Bernard assigns the reason for this, saying that the author of scandal robs Jesus Christ of a soul redeemed. By, by, by his bad example, by his bad actions, by mis, his misuse of his position as shepherd, a priest robs Jesus Christ of souls that were destined for salvation because those souls are confused, they are scattered, they are wounded, and they are flung to the four corners of the winds to be attacked by the evil one. And to again quote Alphonsus Liguori, if in all, even in seculars, that means the laity, the sin of scandal is so detestable, how much greater must be its malice in a priest whom God has placed on earth to save souls and to conduct them to heaven? These sins confuse, harm, and scatter the people of God and do damage to the church. It's not only the priest, though, who can fall into this boat, but also you, the laity, when your words and actions either do something that's contrary to the teaching of the faith or cause scandal by causing someone to have a stumbling block in front of them, as St. Paul says in Scripture. And he exhorts us, St. Paul, to not be that stumbling block with our actions. Some things maybe are not too sinful for us, and particularly for our lifestyle. Maybe, for example, with intake of food or alcohol. But maybe there's a brother or a sister of ours in Christ who is struggling with food and with alcohol or with things that are in moderation normally good. But because of our example and us not being cognizant that this may cause them to struggle, it can cause harm. And particularly, I want to speak to fathers here. You are a priest of your household. You are a shepherd guiding the flock that has been entrusted to you. And thus, this same warning of condemnation can also fall on you if you are not careful. So thus, take care of the flock that the Lord Jesus Christ has entrusted to you as a father and as a husband. We, however, have hope not to just continue down this path of just beating on priests and myself included and just this kind of sadness and all that about just decrying out against these things, but we have hope for we have a real shepherd at the head of our flock, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ who is the true high priest, who lays down his life for his flock continuously and continues to lay himself down for us in the Eucharistic sacrifice. And we see him promise at the ending of our first reading when it says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous shoot to David as king and he shall reign and govern wisely. He shall do what is just and right in the land, and in his days Judah shall be saved. Israel shall dwell in security. And this is the name they give him, the Lord our justice. And yes, our Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of justice. And because he is the Lord of justice, he is also the Lord of mercy. And he dispenses mercy upon his people, particularly in the sacrament of confession. He makes a way for us that when we are wounded as his sheep, that he binds up our wounds and he puts a salve upon those wounds so that we may have health and not have deterioration of life. What then are we to receive from our gospel readings then? 
because we hear of Christ described as a shepherd. He looks upon the people and he sees them as a flock without a shepherd. What then are we to receive from him as he cares for his, both his disciples and the multitude? And as a good shepherd, he cares for both groups. His disciples have just returned from their first missionary expedition and they were probably excited. They healed the sick, they cast out demons, they released sins, and they were excited. But Christ knew that they had more work to do. So what does he do with them? He tells them, come, let us go to a deserted place and take our rest. And he is preparing to feed the multitudes with a miraculous with the breaking of the bread and the multiplication of loaves. We as, like those disciples, are called to be active in spreading the kingdom of God. Just as they return from spreading the kingdom in their own actions, we are called to be those who also, that's the aspect of being a missionary disciple, of going out and bringing the kingdom of God to those who have not heard it. We're called to be active, but we need to balance our activities with that of contemplation with time spent in personal conversation with the Lord. And sometimes we can find ourselves wondering why we get so emotionally and spiritually exhausted by the busyness of our lives. For most of us, it's because we aren't taking time to recharge the spiritual batteries. Stress, discouragement, and other crippling emotions can wear on us if we aren't daily reinforcing our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's only in our friendship with Christ that we can be supplied with the strength and wisdom we need to truly be successful in this life. Successful not just in the roles we play, but in who we are beneath those roles to live out authentically who Christ is calling us, who he made us to be. Without prayer, without study, without time alone with God, the wellspring of our heart soon runs dry, and we have nothing substantial to offer others when they come seeking from us. But without action, without giving freely to others, what we have freely received from God, our spiritual waters, can become stagnant, lifeless, like a lake with no outlet. And thus contemplation and action, prayer and work, is Christ's way. It should be every Christian's way that define this balance between prayer and work, between spending time and contemplation of the good things the Lord has done, but also out of that going out and do the good work that Christ is calling us. And I'm sure for some of us, this active contemplation sounds like a contradiction, but it is a life that properly ba balances our interior life with our exterior as disciples of Christ, and particularly in the fast-paced world we live in, where many focus on getting things done in a fast and efficient manner without thinking about the effects such actions are having on themselves and on others. On last Friday night, I had the privilege of being present at the Carmelite Monastery for the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. I was able to sit in choir and Father John Joseph in the community of Jesus Crucified was preaching the great novena that they have every year at the Carmelite Monastery. If you have not been, I recommend next year trying to go at least for one or two of the nights of the novena. It is something powerful. But he spoke about the danger of how when something happens, 
All we want to do is not stand there. We want to be useful. We want to do something. We hate just standing there when something is going down in front of us. But that we should, but he argues that what we should do is in fact contemplate what is going on in the moment first. We should just instead, it's, it's a great sin of South Louisiana just to stand there and not do something. But what Father John Joseph argues is that we should stand there first and rest in the moment and see what the Lord is working. What is he doing? What is he trying to achieve? To take time to actually see what God is weaving in our lives. And then from that, from that contemplation, from that prayer life, to go and then do action. In that way, we are guided by the Spirit and then we can truly do something of worth and value for the lives of others. It is thus in finding the balance of being active, but also taking time to rest in our Lord who fills us with his spirit that we may be able to pour out the grace that he gives unto us into the lives of others. Unfortunately, what I've seen with the priests who have caused great scandal in the church, the priests that have caused great harm and great wounds, even to myself as I was going through seminary and seeing some of the great scandals of recent years with clergy that were high up and the actions they took and the things they did, was because they became bad shepherds because they did not take the time to pray. Prayer became an option for them and not the necessity. And prayer fell by the wayside and thus they were not operating out of the Spirit of God. No, they were operating out of themselves and out of some other spirits. And thus they became prey to the machinations of the evil one. Thus, they became like broken cisterns which cannot hold water. And the very little grace they had was expended very quickly when they would pour it out into the flock and there was nothing to give. The well was dry. May we pray for our priests and bishops that they may be good shepherds, that they may be men of active contemplation, both of prayer and of works, always leading the flock that God has given them, you, the people of God, to Christ. And may we pray for one another that we may do as Jesus did with his disciples in the Gospels and take time to spend time in prayer and rest and contemplation that we may grow in the active and contemplative life. Amen.